For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on In-Flight Snack, the Jets had just a disastrous week, so we broke it all down. What's it like for a player in a locker room who sees another player essentially quit on the team and say they don't want to play, and now you have to go protect for that player or you have to run a route for that player? We'll talk about that as a former athlete yourself, Bilal. We get into that. We also talked about the Jamal Adams situation, former teammate of yours. And Robert Sala, is he the leak in the organization that Aaron Rodgers is really mad at? We'll discuss that and a whole lot more coming up next on In-Flight Snack. But first, the holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet online remains your number one destination for all your wagering sports info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news odds, trends, and predictions, BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports, and not just the big four. BetOnline has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport from MMA to international soccer. Bilal, do you do some? Uh, you have some international soccer parlays for us? No, I don't. Man. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I tell my friends, I'm like, if you guys are up at 3 o'clock in the morning betting on international soccer, that's your sign that you need to call for help. Uh, but if you don't have that issue, head to bet online today and remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for 50% off uh, your first deposit as a welcome bonus. Again, that's promo code BELIEVE for 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. The snap clean, the placement down, the kick is up, and the kick hooks to the left, but it's gone! Inside the left upright for Zerline, and the Jets win it in overtime, and honestly, I'm not sure how! It's a toss for Powell, he's got the angle, he's got blockers, Powell working the sidelines! goes all the way. Touchdown, Jets. Yo, it's Quinn Williams here, and you listen to In-Flight Snack on the Believe Podcast Network. Let's make sure we play like the New York Jets. Let's go to eat a damn snack. All right, what a week it's been. Uh, Jets, they always find a way to make it extra special. Even when it's super bad, it can always get worse. Just remember that. The New York Jets always remind you that even when you think it's bad, there's always room for lower. Good morning. Welcome back to In-Flight Snack, a New York Jets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Rami Lavi, and that's Bilal Powell. Bilal Powell, uh, congrats on the dub last weekend. At least someone's winning on this podcast. If not the Jets, 
your Louisville team, I guess it's the Kentucky national team, right? You guys won the yep. regionals against Ohio. Uh, so congrats to you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I was hoping to come back and see a happy Rami, but I'm not. So it's all the listeners and at this point, <laughs> at this point, like I'm indifferent almost, but that's the craziest part is like, if I was upset with the losing, if I was upset with everything that's gone on, that would be one thing, but they find a way to make it worse than just the actual losing. I think the timeline of this past week, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to go through the timeline and we'll break it down step by step of all the dysfunction that happened this past week in the Jets organization, because it's a lot and there's a lot to keep up with. And there's a lot of stuff that I'm not sure is getting funneled to the national media. And there's a lot of stuff that we're seeing every day. First of all, if you don't know by now, I work at WFAN. We've had Joe Beningo on. Uh, I worked with him. So I kind of have that side of things. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what I'm talking about there. I think we've been doing the Jets podcast now where I've gained enough credibility in that area. So I have a unique perspective on this. I kind of touched about it on Tuesday, but I, wa- I want to talk to you. But so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to lay out the timeline here um, and then we'll break it down one by one because this is as dysfunctional as it gets. And to me, it starts, it goes back what, three weeks ago when Zach Wilson is benched because he stunk. Zach Wilson, by the way, in case you're wondering, guys like Jamarcus Russell, guys like Ryan Leaf started 16, 17, 18 career games. How many opportunities did they get to start before it was like, you're a bust and that's it, it's over. Zach Wilson is about to make his 33rd career start on Sunday and a lot went into him getting a 33rd chance but he earned his benching. He earned being demoted, not just from the starter, but to the third string quarterback for the second time in two years. So he gets benched. Tim Boyle looks worse than Zach Wilson. And on Sunday, he gets benched. The Jets get blown out on Sunday. Obviously, they get blown out on Friday. Then Sunday, they don't even get blown out, but they can't score. They score eight points. They don't score a touchdown. The defense gets, obviously, their, their two points. So Tim Boyle gets benched. They asked Robert Sala after the game, what's going to happen? Who's going to be the starting quarterback? I don't know. Monday, a bombshell drops before Robert's uh, press conference. The athletic report comes out from Zach Rosenblatt and Diana Rossini. And by the way, Diana's a national reporter. I don't, so I don't know where the story's coming from. Zach's obviously a Jets reporter, but they collaborated on it together. Two people from the athletic, a credible source, and they said, Zach. The Jets are thinking about playing Zach, but Zach is reluctant to play. I want to get, we'll get to it, Bilal, because I know mm-hmm. you have some words for an NFL quarterback who's been given more opportunities than he ever deserved, saying, eh, I don't really feel like it, as SpongeBob would say. So, yeah, that's Monday. Then on Monday, Salah comes into his press conference. No, you know, Zach, we just had a great conversation. Zach wants the ball. But then he also said, you know, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know all the conversations in the room. But empathetically, if Zach didn't want the ball, I'd understand that. Bah, 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 like, here's why. But uh, if Zach didn't want the ball, he wouldn't be here. So it's like, wait, if he did say that, then. All right. So that's confusing. We'll get to that also. Then Monday afternoon at four o'clock. This is where it gets really interesting because my old buddy Joe Beningo goes on with my friends Tiki Barber and Evan Roberts and Sean Morash and Tommy Lou Gower. And he says to them on the phone, I know, bro, I know for a fact that the head coach doesn't like Sala because he texted me this. And he reads a text that Robert Sala sent to him on the air. Now, he misinterpreted the text, but he's now divulging private conversations in the public. 
All right. That's Monday. Tuesday. Hey, you meant you meant you meant the head coach doesn't like Zach. Man, sorry. Yeah, did I say yeah? Yeah, Zach, I say? yeah, yeah. So that everybody's you know, I, it's that type of day. I get it. Yeah. I appreciate you, Bilal. <laughs> Thank you. Tuesday, Aaron Rodgers goes on McAfee, his paid spot on McAfee. Do you know he gets paid a million dollars to do that spot every week? I don't know if it's a million dollars a week. I think it's a million dollars for the season. Do you know that below? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Bring me on. So, I'll, I'll take less than that. Yeah, by the way, Pat, <laughs> I'll take less. We'll take less. We'll take less. We'll be Rogers goes off McAfee on Tuesday and he's all but confirms the Zach Wilson report, right? Where he basically says, you know, I, I you I understand that this happened, but we got to clean it up. We, he doesn't like the leaks. And that the leaks are, well, I don't understand why you'd put that story out. Even if it was leaked to you as a journalist, you're attacking someone's character. It's like, no, well, the leaks are the problem. And then he did say that. He said the Jets, the team is a losing culture. The team has to fix the culture. This is not the first time. There's a lot of things around here we got to clean up. Really takes a lot of shots at the Jets and then stands up for Zach at the same time. Never denies the report. By the way. Pat McAfee, and this is why I mentioned the national media versus the local media. Pat McAfee did not ask him about Robert Sala and about um, uh, about Joe Beningo. And that's interesting for two reasons. One, the national media, maybe it wasn't just covered nationally, that there's a radio host in New York City who's texting with the head coach and then divulging private text messages on the air. So it could be that didn't make national headlines. It also could be that, like I said, it's a paid spot that Aaron Rodgers said, Head coach is off limits. I'll dance around it, but head coach is off limits. So interesting. Tuesday, Joe Beningo comes on the morning show, and then he comes on the afternoon show, two shows on WFAN, and apologizes for, uh, it was a misunderstanding. I'm sorry. But we talked for 25 minutes last night, and we cleared the air, Coach Sala and I. Which to me is like, Sala, are you an idiot? After this guy just went out and shared your private stories on online, like, you're now going back and talking to him for 25 minutes. We'll get to it. And then Tuesday, again, Tim Boyle is cut. So when you start thinking about who are the leaks, who could the leaks possibly be, and then a guy's cut in one day after he started for you two days ago. Okay. Wednesday, Robert Sala's press conference. Zach's the starting quarterback because he gives us the best chance to win. Uh, okay, well, why did you not start him the last two weeks when your season still meant a lot? Ah, uh, well, you know, we needed a spark. All right, Salah, thank you. Also, I still love Joe B. And Zach needs to let her rip, even though Salah said in the past, Zach needs to play cautiously. All right. And then on Sunday, we know what's going to happen. Oh, Zach talks to the media, by the way. And he's like, yeah, I just got to go out there and have fun. And there was like a picture that came out of him in practice, like a thumbs up standing next to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he's just going to have fun. And then Sunday, inevitably, they're going to get their asses kicked by the Texans. So what a week. If you think about it, from Sunday to Sunday, the Jets have had. And I want to start here because I want to start with the athletic report as a former athlete. And I know I just laid it out. So it's been a while since you've had a chance to talk. So you've probably been sitting on this. I heard Tiki Barber. I heard Boomer Esiason. They both had the same sentiment. If you're a former athlete and you're getting an opportunity, you are blessed with a chance, more chances than you ever deserved in your career. But this kid is so, and you see it in his play style. He doesn't, he's afraid to throw, right? Because he's afraid to throw interceptions. This kid is afraid of failure 
But instead, he just runs away from it. He Everything was handed to him his whole life. And you have the audacity to say, nah, I'm not going to play. I have another chance to salvage my career, more chances than I ever deserved. Oh, not because I'm good, not because I earned it, not because I deserve it, but because everyone else is so bad. And instead of taking that opportunity, you're going to now say, nah, what does that say to the teammates? What does that say to everyone else in that locker room? Like, That blows my mind. Well, and that is the show, folks. We'll see you next episode. No, but thanks for catching me up, man. Thanks for catching yeah, me up. Yeah, appreciate you. In case hey, listen, so my, living my, under a rock. Yeah. <laughs> my entire week has been good, man. We, we went up and won. So, you know, I, I'm happy about that. And, you know, I didn't get a chance to even catch the games. Honestly, I've been game planning. But, you know, you've been keeping me updated. And, and now that I hear this, uh, I don't need to study anything. Now is just to really, really sit here and talk as a player, former player. And when you when you talk about, uh, you know, Boomer and uh, Tiki, Tiki, yeah, as a former player, guy saying, "Oh, you know, I'm done." I'm, to me, that's that's saying he's done with the organization. The organization should be done with him. Is it? Listen, this this sport, this business, is not for everyone. It's not. We've seen it decades. Top quarterbacks come in and not be able to adapt to the to the national football level. We've seen it. You've seen the guys who fall to Mr. Irrelevant, like Purdy, and come in and ball and undrafted free agents come in and ball and mid to late draft picks come in and ball and have a tremendous career. And then you see those early picks who 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 knows is upstairs evaluating these players and saying that that's the franchise quarterback. I don't know who in the organization said that about Zach Wilson. Um, he was exciting to watch at BYU, but there's, there's, there has to be a timeline of chances if you want to win. And if you continue to give a quarterback this many opportunities, that's not going to help you win. And, and, and I must say this, the only reason he does give us the best chance to win is because the other quarterbacks aren't good. They had an opportunity when when Aaron Rodgers went down to go out and get a quarterback that could have helped them be in the talks right now for a playoff spot, but they didn't. So now, yeah, Zach Wilson is the best available quarterback right now on your team. Now, as a teammate, there he goes again, losing losing his teammates again. Again, exactly. Again. Again. Second, second consecutive. You have to take responsibility as a professional, as a man. Take on the responsibility of no matter what it is. I, I get it. There's, there's the offense could suck. The, the offensive coordinator could suck. There's, there's injuries happen, missing pieces around you. I get it. But at some point in time, you have to be a, a grown man and take responsibilities because this is a privilege. Only twenty-seven thousand dudes had the opportunity to do this in a hundred years of football in America. So there's a privilege. And I think when you come into this league, and I'm speaking now for young dudes who come into this league, it's a privilege to play in, in the in the National Football League. You earned it, but you don't own anything. So Zach Wilson, take the responsibility. You had your opportunity and you lost it. And now they want to go back to you to get you through. I get it. I've been, I've been sat on a bench for guys when I felt like I was the best available thing. I get it. But I didn't cry about it. I didn't go to the media. 
You know what I did? I, I, I took advantage of the opportunity that was given to me again to show them that I was the best available in the room. And that's why I oh, stuck yeah, around did. for nine years. For nine yeah. years, dude. Yeah. For nine years. Like, there was only one running back I felt that came in that I was like, okay, he's really good. And, and, and we complimented each other because we was two different style running backs. And that was Chris Ivory. You know what I mean? And we'll, we'll get to other running backs when we talk about other things. But Zach needs to take responsibility. The organization needs to take responsibility. And now being in that, that environment, being in that building... And you hearing Aaron Rodgers talk about this is a losing culture, this is a losing organization. Aaron, you knew that before you came over here. The Jets oh, were not yeah. winning. You knew yeah. that. So yeah. now it tell now now as a player, I'm hearing this former player, I should say, a former player being in the business and and now having an opportunity to be on the outside looking in. You already knew what the culture was and the organization was like before you signed that mega contract, that big nice contract. So to me, that tells when you see the owner and the head coach flying out to California to meet up with you, that meeting was saying, hey, I need to have a lot of say-so in the building if I'm going to come in. If I'm going to come in, I need to have a lot of say-so to show you guys how to win. And now that they're not winning, now that he's not a, not a part of it, he don't want that embarrassment. Well, now he's doing yeah. the exact same thing that these other players are doing now. They're breaking down and things are leaking and 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 now is now you're starting to see the the, fung, the the finger pointing. And he could still say he could be like, well, you know, it's a losing organization because I haven't put my fingerprints on it because I haven't been around here. So like, once I do more, because Rogers isn't doing enough, he feels like he needs to do more. For example, Garrett Wilson though, Mackay Becton, two guys playing hurt, right? Like guys who are playing through injuries, guys who are going out there and killing themselves to to play hard. How does Makai Becton line up against some of the best defensive linemen in the league? How does Garrett Wilson continue to run incredible routes against one of the best corners in the league this week? Knowing like this little kid, spoiled kid back there is like, eh, I don't really feel like it. You know what I mean? Like if you're Garrett Wilson, how do you line up and go with the same intensity that you were playing with when you just heard this kid be like, yeah, I'm good. You've been killing yourself for two years, like playing every snap like it's your last. And now you have this kid who's like, I'm good. Like, it's what hard. does Zach Wilson even say to the it's team? Hard. It's hard. And let me tell you something. Practice is hard. Like, the fans only see you show up on, on Sunday or on whenever you play, Monday, Thursday. They only see right. that. That's, they that's why I'm asking about Sunday, it. but you're right. Yeah, this guy's... I don't know what they're going through throughout the week to get ready to that point exactly. It's it's hard, and especially it's getting cold. It's hard to move when it's cold. Oh, it's hard to have dude, that mentality, especially here. when you're losing. And then you yeah. have a, a practice player who is still trying to make the 53 who could get cut at any time with his effort. So he's coming at you 100% with yep. fresh legs. And here you are, late in the season, not winning, having to perform at a, an elite level at practice, people, not in the game. We're talking about three practices before you get to the game. A, a practice player who a coach is in his ear say, hey, man, if you want to get on his active route, you better go hard. Hey, you got to mimic this guy. He's a high motor guy every play. So now not only that, am I grinding for you on Sundays, I'm grinding for you during the week. And then when you come out and say that you don't want to line up behind me, you don't want to go fight for us. This this whole entire sport is about fighting and trusting the man next to you. You can't win this with one guy. It has to be 11 guys doing their job every single play. 
every single play. And if one guy messes it up, it messes up everything. And to me, I'm looking at this offense, there's multiple guys messing it up. So it looks like horrible football all around. And now that you're telling me it's looking like horrible football and then my, my quarterback doesn't want to come out and play, how can I even look at you as a man in your face, in the huddle, you give me a command, you give me a play, and then I have to protect you. And then you give up here and you, you give me this fake chant, this fake leadership. And I don't know if he really said it or not, but it's coming out and I'm speaking on it, all right? We don't know how accurate it is, but that's hard as a veteran. That, but multiple know, sources, by the way, multiple sources from in the building and Rogers and Salah, neither of them denied it. That's also part of it where it's like, yeah, they said now he wants the ball and whatever. And it, it's, it was wrong that it came out. But they didn't deny it. They both mm. basically admitted it happened. And by the way, this is the second time that Zach has to now get you mentioned huddling, getting in the huddle and commanding the huddle. This is the second time in two years. Last year was after the New England game when he said, which mm -hmm. is when he got benched for Mike White, when he said, you know, it's windy as hell out there, guys, and it's really on all the offense. I don't feel like I let the defense down. I don't feel like I let the team down. When he couldn't take ability for that uh, accountability for that loss that was clearly on him. After that game, also, he had to go apologize to the team. How many times before the same team looks at him and is like, ah, we're tired of your shit. We're tired of your fake, phony apologies. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you can't, you can't speak what's on your mind. You can't, you know... At what point do you, as a man, say, I can't say what's on my mind and then apologize and think this is, this is okay? Yeah, and you have little daddy go on national TV and protect you. Aaron goes out there. I love Zach. He's a great kid, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> that's what, and they're that's staying what next to each other in practice. quarterback is supposed to do, Rami. He's supposed to fight for the organization. You know. No, I man? love what Aaron's doing, but like the other play, if I'm the other players, I'm looking at like, why is Aaron like defending this kid? Like, all of a sudden, like the other players have to be somewhat mad at like, what? This kid turned on us and now you're going out there and defending him? That is almost like, like one of the of things us? where guys are maybe afraid to speak up. Maybe maybe they understand the control that Aaron has in the organization or the say-so that he has. Let's be honest. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, sure. and, and like I told you about this early on in the, in the episodes that we started. I'm like, listen, it's almost like the NBA, right? Where these guys, they have say so. These these guys who are the face of the, the franchise, who's who's you know future Hall of Famers, and you know they've been on top of the you know their game and and to, on top of their position for years, and they're just legends, and they have say so. You know, so at what point do you think you know these these players like, hey man, I can't say nothing because I might be out of here. I'm sure those conversations are going on. Yeah, and I look, I worked in a winning organization in Baltimore. Um, I saw what it looks like to run in an organization. The craziest part is I was there at some of the most like intense turmoil that they've had. They 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 franchise tagged Lamar. Lamar wasn't gonna play on the tag, he was holding out. Um, first they didn't give him the extension, they didn't pick up the fifth year option. It's craziness. He's injured. Who's starting? Is it is it Huntley? Is it Anthony Brown. And then the second year, it's like the franchise quarterback who's holding out now is injured and isn't coming to the team's playoff game. He's not even coming. We don't even know if he's healthy enough to play, but he's not coming to the game because he's holding out for a contract. And this is a playoff game for this team. They somehow made the playoffs even without him playing. And you just have John Harbaugh get up there and go, Guys, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about Cincinnati. I'm here to talk about the game. I'm here to talk. And just the way he handled it, the way he, the way Eric DaCosta, the way I saw them in the media, 
it's not my point is they were asked difficult questions. Sometimes but when it, you're the but national, is it because they were winning? Like no, what, that's, what, that's what not the point. They weren't winning the year before. They lost a bunch of games to end the year. I think they lost also six in a row the year prior. So not last year, but 2021. The Ravens lost six in a row to end the year also because Lamar got hurt and they were starting Anthony Brown and Tyler Huntley. So the point is, that's exactly the point I'm making. The point I'm making is that even in an organization that we didn't see it maybe in as Jet fans, but I was there. I was working in the local media. I saw that there was dysfunction and how they handled it. I saw that there were issues. So my point isn't that I think every team has issues. We're just so focused on the Jets and we see the Jets issues. But mm -hmm. I was in the Ravens organization and I saw the Ravens issues. They're talking about Greg Roman. There were fire Greg Roman signs put in the like posted on a player's Instagram. A guy was videoing signs on the floor. It said fire Greg Roman. So, and, and Harbaugh had to come out and say, yeah, I can't speak for that player. So there were issues. There were a lot of issues. There was a lot of drama that maybe the local Jets media doesn't know about. And yet every time that man, John Harbaugh, got up in front of the media, like the CEO, like the leader, was definitive, said what was on his mind, said what needed to be said, addressed things that needed to be addressed, but also, more importantly, didn't address what he didn't have to. Robert Sala is so clunky, and you could tell me that he's a great man. He might even be a great coach, but he is. he gets up there, and it is an issue. I, I'm sorry. When you're in an organization that has this much dysfunction and this much turmoil consistently in their history, you can't have a man who's the mouthpiece for the organization who speaks three or four times a week, right? He speaks on after the game. He speaks on Monday and he speaks on Thursday, right? Or Wednesday. So he speaks three times a week, every single week. That's the guy who's the mouthpiece for the organization. This is the guy who's the CEO, who's the PR guy, who's the public facing face of the organization. And he gets up there stumbling and bumbling with his words and like, uh, uh, like you see, he's trying to carefully choose his words and then he's oversharing with the media. So when he goes, uh, Zach came into my office and he, he, he wants the ball. Um, you know, I, I didn't call him in. He came in. Yeah, for sure. And then, but you know, I could see empathetically, he volunteered this information that there are guys in bowl games who are holding out because they're scared to get hurt. So basically you just admitted, you didn't have to say that you could have just said, yeah, that never happened. I'm, I'm not going to answer any more questions about that. That's that's that we keep that stuff in house. You are the leak. When Aaron Rodgers talks about leaks, you are the leak, Robert Sala. And if it was just this, if it was just the media that you're clunky in the way you talk, we could get over it. But you haven't done anything enough to keep your job. And there's been so much dysfunction that now this, the fact that you can't clean it up. When the Robert Sala or Joe Beningo report about Robert Sala came out, I thought that was cause for firing. I, I think Robert Sala should be out of a job today. I don't see it. And then the fact that he said he's going to continue to maintain a, re a relationship with Joe Beningo, and I love Joe, but for Robert Sala to maintain a relationship with Joe, Robert Sala has to be a complete and utter moron. And if he does that, he should be fired immediately. You already burned by this guy once. When Aaron Rodgers says, we have to clean up leaks, he's talking about you, coach. Yeah. Now, it's... Like I said, Aaron, going on the show, national show, national platform, and, and saying that, I think that pushes, do, do you, I, I think it pushes Robert Sala out the door. But he never mentioned Robert. You know what I mean? So like, 
I saw you want to. You don't want to be the league, league but I'm, I mean, like, so then who is he talking about when he's talking about the losing organization? Like, is he talking about ownership? Is he talking about management? Is he talking about coaching? Is he talking about players? Like, there's a whole, there's a lot of factors that you can put into place when you're well, talking that's about why, the losing I mean, organization. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers did this for four, five years in, in Green Bay, where that's what he does. He stays vague, so everyone's on notice. You know what I mean? Mm. Everyone's got to be on their best behavior. I just put you all on notice. So when I said that by the end of this year, Rodgers is going to be treating the Jets the way he treated Green Bay, he's doing it. And we're still too in love with him because we never get to see him snap, play a snap. So we still don't like, there's still like this awe around him where we don't realize like, because we can't yell at him yet about being the quarterback. Like if he throws three picks on a Sunday and then he says stuff like this, we would turn on him. But like, there's still like the, the like, um, the fantasy of him playing quarterback for us. So I feel like we can't turn on him yet. And by the way, I did a whole episode on that on, on, on Tuesday, right? Like, I still think the right move is to bring Rodgers back and to try and, like, make it work with him. But, Absolutely. yeah, does does he want to be here? When he talks about the losing organization, he, he has to know if this story got to, got to Rodgers, and I'm sure it did, he has to look at Rob and say, Sorry, buddy. You can overcome a lot, but you can't overcome this. Mm -hmm. I think so. I mean, and now it's almost like, I mean, you don't even hear about him trying to come back and play. I mean, yeah. Oh, no, it's over. Know. It's over. Oh, he don't want to play. He so said if he doesn't want to play. He said he on McAfee. Play, yeah, I know. If he, I told you that, though. I told you what was going to happen. Yeah, he said, he said, yeah, the original goal was the 24th, but, you know. Yeah, I, I told you what was going to happen. Listen. To all the viewers and listeners, just listen to us, all right? Well, I, I'll, I'll keep it real. You know, I don't know Aaron personally, but I already knew what it was, man. I, I already, I, I've, I've seen the players who come from organ, other organizations who, you know, they they play until the playoffs are out of reach, and then all of a sudden they got these injuries, these fake injuries. I, I've seen it, and and I already knew. Yeah, he might fight. If we're in the playoffs, but once the playoffs are over, he's gonna make up an excuse. Oh, he's not ready. He's not close to being ready, because that's what the guys do that who, who are the superstars. You know what I mean? Like it, it's the truth, and I, I've seen it firsthand. A couple years, a few years, where I'm like, "Whoa, that's crazy." I've seen guys fake injuries during training camp to miss a week and a half, two weeks of training camp. <laughs> so um, I'm just speaking from experience and from a former player. Um, now it almost makes you question if you do fire your head coach, do you fire the GM? And then who has say so with bringing who in? Like, is it going to be the owner and Aaron Rodgers sitting in the meeting? I don't know. I don't know. And, and there's so much turnaround. There's going to be players who want to leave with, with Salah. There's going to be players who want to come in. It's going to be so much turnaround if you lose a head coach. There's, And I'm telling you this right now, this defense, if Robert Salo leaves, this defense is going to fall it's apart. Going to fall apart. It's yes. going to fall apart, man. Yep. And that's the sad part. Like, you're ruining the parts of Salo that were actually really good because there were some good parts. But this is the problem. You overshared. You overshared in the media. And then you overshared in a private conversation with someone you should have never trusted. And you are. You talked about unnamed sources. These are the name sources, which is worse. It's Robert Sala. And when he says, oh, Zach just needs to play boring football. And then the next week he says, no, it's best when he just says F it and let her rip, as he said, was the direct quote. 
or when he says Zach gives us the best chance to win, but we were looking for a spark. Zach gives you the best chance for to win. But the worst part, do you know that he texted Joe B a list of head coaches and their records with and without their starting quarterbacks? Almost to say, yeah, not my fault. Like, sorry, I'm exonerated. I've been so trying you to wonder tell why you there's that. no there's you wonder why there's no that. you wonder why there's no accountability on the team because that coach can't take accountability. He's making excuses to I Joe Pinigo. When he when he defended his defense. In, in how his defense played against top quarterbacks, he's letting you know what's going on on the other side is not my problem. It, it's not. That's what he's telling you. That was a You're other hand, CEO. hey, You're it's out coach. of my control. It is your problem. But, but but like I told you before, like at what point in time, I told you the experience that I had with a coach who said, hey, this is coming from higher up. So now it's almost like who who is it that's holding on to Zach Wilson in the building? Like there's someone holding on to him that – you know, to me, I don't I don't think he deserves to be back out as a starter. If you know what I mean, like, I don't I don't think if you make that comment, you don't want to play. Cut him that day. Exactly. Like, you, like at what point do you take on the. the so, so, the so that's my point. So Robert Salas said, turn it around. But, but Robert said that Robert said, if oh, if he actually said that he wouldn't be here. But then you admitted that he did say that. You basically hmm. went you went on the show and said. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's, he said, I have no idea what things are said like in private conversations. I don't know every conversation around here. It's your job to know. You're the freaking head coach. Robert yeah. looks like a defeated man in these press conferences. Like, I you think he'd be relieved eyes. to get fired. He'd be relieved. In his eyes. That's probably he'd just why be happy to get it over with. Like, over with. of this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you. You can but, see it in his eyes. You can see it in his press conference. Like, I met the guy... And the faces that I see, the facial expressions, the the the, the demeanor, the his persona, everything about him is just like he's defeated. He's, he's defeated yeah. it, and and I remember, I remember, I won't say which head coach, I won't say it, but I remember when there were times when head coaches needed certain guys or type of players in their scheme, and they wouldn't they weren't bringing these guys in. And then his defense looks horrible because the players that they're bringing in, one, they're not top free agent signings. They're just, I'm like, who is this guy? You know, <laughs> who is this guy? Doesn't fit the scheme. So then you're forced to like play with a guy that doesn't fit your scheme or isn't good enough to fit your scheme. It's 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 a lot of a lot of pieces that go with this, man, as far as management and and coaching. And I I thought when I went to training camp that the head coach and the and the GM were like, oh, this is going to be... I was like, this is crazy. Like, they're, they're like clicking and all of a sudden, man, one piece get ruined and it's just like a ripple effect. Like, it, <laughs> it started yeah. when they shouldn't when it got a quarterback. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing because here we go again. I mean... That's the point. Like, <laughs> how much can we yell and scream about it already? Like... It's almost funny, like it's comical. Like we could just laugh, like because it's it's just the same shit over and over again. Um, all right, we're gonna take a quick break. Um, and then when we come back, there's a game on Sunday, but also there was a player who you have a personal relationship with, not currently, but did played with him, who was in the news, and that was on last Friday. But last Friday is already like a hundred years ago for this team because so much shit has gone down since then. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about the game and a whole lot more coming up in a minute.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, coming back, the saddest part for me, Bilal, and we talked about how you just have to laugh. Sports, to me, and I don't know how you feel about this, because for you, it was your life. You played it. You lived it. To me and to a lot of people, like we pay for this. like We pay for season tickets. We pay for things like that because it's an escape. Like our day to day lives and my career is now in sports. So it's kind of, they've kind of like that line has blurred a little bit. But um, still, like you have stuff in life that suck. You have stuff in life that are tough. Everyone has their hardships and things that they deal with. And a lot of people turn to sports as the, that escape, as that like alternate reality where they can go and, you know, leave their worries behind and think about something else, take their minds off of like real world problems. Like we talk about these problems like they're a big deal. They're, they're sports. It's, you know, it's not real life issues. Um, the sad part is that the thing that's supposed to be the escape, that's supposed to be the mental health break, is now giving me mental health problems, and I need a mental health break from the Jets. This is like just new levels of, I think I've aged this year from having to watch them every week and talk about them. Like, let's be honest, if I wasn't doing the podcast, I wouldn't be watching on Sunday. Because there's, I would watch because I want to see CJ Stroud. But like, I wouldn't be focusing the way I'm going to focus because I know I got to talk about it on Monday. Like, it's just, man, like, this is tough. It is, man. It is. Um, it's, you know, you think you think as an organization, you think as professionals, man, they just find a way to resolve things. Mm. And things just keep reoccurring and keep just being this cycle and you ask yourself as a fan now, right? As a fan, as a spectator, like, who is it? Like, why Why is it so consistent of, like, why is it a losing culture? Like, why is New York a losing culture? Like, is, is there, is there like, a contract where you can, like, resign as a, as a Jets fan, retire as a Jet fan, and then decide to come back and then be, like, a another, like, team, like, pick another team? Like, are you able to yeah, do that? I think, is there somewhere... I, by the way, season tickets. I'm I'm not, you know, that's not how it works. Like with me, like I'm loyal to a fault, <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, like it's so like if I would have quit on the Jets, I would have quit a long time ago. Let me tell you that. Like there is plenty of <laughs> they give me plenty of opportunity to want to quit on them. You know, um, it's just tough, man. Like it's it's really it really is. There was a story, and then what's crazy is this story like almost went away so quickly because so much has gone down since then. But there's a story from Friday about a former teammate of yours, Jamal Adams. Jamal mm-hmm. Adams, not really the best football player since the Jets traded him away. He was really good here for a couple of years, and then the Jets traded him, and they fleeced the Seattle Seahawks in that trade, right? Jets get a ton of good picks back, and he's been either hurt or not the same. So he had a play where he's defending a tight end on Thursday night and he gives up a touchdown. And it was like, he was right there and the ball went through his hands into the tight end's hands touchdown. And uh, Connor Hughes, who's a Jets beat reporter, just tweeted out the video that the NFL put out there and wrote yikes, like almost as it's that's a bad play. Yikes. So Jamal Adams decides 
I'm going to get you back. I'm going to be smart here. And he goes and finds a bad picture online of Connor Hughes's wife, something personal, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where and yep. and and puts out the picture and writes, "Yikes." First of all, mm-hmm. we've all had bad pictures taken of us. So, I don't know Connor Hughes's wife. I never met her. I've never seen her in my life, but Okay. Second, that is disgusting. Like what? Like you're going after someone's like a personal, even first of all, even if she wasn't like the most attractive woman in the world, like what are you doing? Like what gives you the right? And then every single, this is what I loved. Every single member of the Jets media who knew him personally, one by one, just ripped into Jamal Adams felt like, all right, we're going to stand up for our guy, Connor. This is open season on Jamal Adams. And he and Jamal keeps going back and forth. And Jamal actually said, he's like, oh, look, Rich Samini standing up for his little buddy boy, Connor. Yeah, you guys are all idiots. You guys don't know me outside of football. And he's going back and forth on Twitter with them. This guy's the king of all idiots. And you know him personally. You have some personal stories with him. Like, what was this dude like as a teammate? He then said, and this is what he said. He said, when they go low, I go lower. Like, as if, like, he, he said it like he's proud about it. Like, what a dick. How did anyone like this guy? <laughs> so when Jamal came in, obviously I was like later on in my career. And he came from a winning program, LSU. Yeah. It was he was a he was a very um he, he brought energy. He brought some energy. Uh he never won shit the, here. <laughs> yeah, uh we'll get to that. I'm about to get to it right now. You know, he bought he bought a different energy. Um, you know. He talked a lot. I think anybody vouched that he talked a lot. You know, we were locker mates. You know, I'm a quiet. So, you know, I had a rookie come in just talking and talking. I wasn't really used to rookies talking. You know what I mean? I came in a different era where rookies didn't talk. They were they 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 were sponges. Like, because Rick, rookies, honestly, they didn't they didn't know nothing. They think they know everything. They don't. Like, I don't care what program you come from. Like, you don't know anything. You're, you're, you're a rookie. Like, you don't know ball like you think you do until you get mm. to the national football level and you do it for a, a, a consecutive years and you be consistent in your position. And I, I just remember this guy, He, you know, anybody was talking, you already know, it was Jamal, it was Jamal. Jamal talked a lot. Uh, was he a good football player? He was actually a good football player, but he did struggle with covering tight ends. He did. Uh, his, his success in this, the system that I saw, man, was he was a good blitzer. As a safety yeah, that, for me, blitz boy. That's what yeah, it was blitz a blitz. Boy. It was a blitzing safety. That's I mean, they used him as that. So I I looked at him as like he was just a, a undersized linebacker that was just blitzing. Uh, you know, he made it to the Pro Bowl off of blitzing. Like, let's be real. Like, he didn't have interceptions or you didn't see him covering space like uh, Darren uh, over in with the Chargers. You didn't. You yeah, didn't. Yeah. He, he he can't do that. Like, he wasn't that type of guy. Um, and then you see kind of like when he went to Seattle, he started getting exposed more in a different scheme. Like. Then they had to find his place again. And then obviously the injury started happening. Like he's a good tackler. He's a good safety in the box. Th- that was my evaluation of him. Like, you know, high picks, you can get any safety to do that. Like blitz off. The- I can go blitz off the edge. No disrespect to Jamal. <clears throat> you're a free rusher at that point. Like, yeah, you're free. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, I pick up anybody, but, <clears throat> you know, I don't want to, I want to sit here and, and talk bad about him, but. You know, he he was that type of dude that you know. Obviously, it doesn't surprise me when when he we does stuff like this. Like he's still Jamal. Like you know, I don't know him off the field. I didn't hang with him off the field. Uh, I only been around him once off the field. 
you know, at a party and, you know, I'll keep that to myself, but, um, <laughs> uh, cause I'm not Connor. So you know, I, I don't want him to think he can bark at me, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being real. Uh, but just just to to the defense, like you know, obviously, man, you gotta have you gotta have umbrella skin in this in this business. You gotta have thick skin in this business. Uh, you get criticized, man. You're you're a public uh, figure. Uh, you you just right gotta know when you react. Right on the field, like it was. Yeah, even, I mean, like, if you make the play, he doesn't say it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's just like one of them things where you gotta take criticism as a player, as a professional, um, and, and that's it, man. Like you know, obviously, uh, a few people have something to say about his personality on and off the field. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I did kind of like one of my last years down in New York, he did did mention something in the, in the media that I didn't take uh, lightly uh, when he said, hey, that? we need more do- We need more dogs. He, yeah. went, he, went, he went on to say, we need more dogs. And I, I, I wrote back, what's a dog to a lion? And so everybody started adding Jamal and, uh, <laughs> and he, he changed his caption to speak the truth. But in my head, I'm looking at these dudes who hanging around him outside of football. Like, bro, he's talking about you. He's talking about me, saying that he need more dogs. Like, he's saying that we ain't dogs in the building. I'm like, bro, I've been in here. I've been doing this. I seen running backs who who were other franchises for a long time come in and get ran out of here, and I and I still been doing this. I'm consistent with my opportunities. I'm a I'm a lion. Was a lion to a dog, and that's what I meant by it. It kind of like uh, I took it personal, and then when I see him trying to go out the Le'Veon Bell. And, and get Le'Veon Bell in here, which he did. Le'Veon ended up coming here. And then Le'Veon Bell averaging 3.2 yards a carry and making $15 million. So I'm like, there go your dog. Yeah. dog. There's a difference in this, man. Like, you know, you got guys who are system guys. You got guys who are just football players. I was a football player, and I'm going to speak on it. Um, like I said, I don't want no nothing to, to start between me and Jamal. I'm just speaking my truth. Um, but again, I'm not Connor, so... You know, I don't hope you don't, you know, go go somewhere personal. Uh, I think Jets fans would kind of uh, be on your side. If Jets fans yeah. could stand up for Connor Hughes, that was the craziest part. Yeah, Jets I fans, just, I mean, Connor. I don't want them to. But, they, you know, the Jets fans love Jamal until he asks for that trade, man. Oh, you know, for sure. obviously, no, obviously when, 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 when Todd, when Todd got out of the building, Jamal wanted that trade. He just didn't fit the coaching staff. Like, you just don't fit the culture of the staff and people in the in the building. That's what I was trying to tell you about McCole Hartman. Like think, maybe he just didn't fit, fit that. Do you think you fit with Adam Gase's culture? Does anyone fit with Adam Gase's I, culture? I didn't. I, I didn't. Really, I didn't. I, and, and I knew when Adam Gase came in, Adam brought me back, man. He hit, he kept my jersey up. I never met him before. They said, hey, man, you coming back? I was like, I don't know. Uh, they said, well, your jersey's, your locker's still up. So I'm like, oh, okay, I, I guess, you know. And then Adam was talking to me. Uh, you know, obviously when I when I came back that that ninth year, it was just different, man. Like obviously I had to take on the role, sit behind, and not play. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, like Le'Veon was in front of me, so I, you know, he was trying to slowly sneak me in, and then you know, I was just like this. This I told my wife, I said this might be my last year in New York. Like I can feel it. Like <clears throat> unless something changes next year, and then obviously COVID happened, and then you know that kind of slowed down a lot of. Uh, a lot of the process with with, with veteran running backs, man. Uh, so, but yeah, um, Jamal, it, you know, it doesn't surprise me with, with some of the comments he's made. Um, you know, that's just who Jamal is. And like I said, Jamal, bro, if you hear this, if somebody, if they tag you on, on anything that we post or anything, send it to you. It is just me speaking the truth, bro. You, you, you're a good football player. Like you, you did struggle with covering 
you you were a heck of a blitzer. You still are a heck of a blitzer. You good tackler. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, like I, I would like to see you just like brush that off with, especially playing in New York, brush brush off the, the the criticism, man. Like, you know, I send him a text message. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, yeah. or you know, see him at the Super Bowl, and if he want to interview you, keep walking. You know what I'm saying? Like, or by the way, certain- go after Connor for something professional. Say, yeah. hey, he did a bad job covering X story. He went after yeah. you for something professional. Yeah. Like, why you have Jamal, to make it personal? Yeah, I and then hope, brag hope, about it. Yeah, yeah. Don't 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 come personal, Jamal, because this ain't personal, bro. I don't want to get personal with you, bro. I don't. So I have a question for you. Time. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I just looked it up. So like, you don't know if you're playing or not, and then so you get paid like one point one million dollars in 2019. So it's like, how does that work? Are they like at like? you're not even worried about the contract. They're like, there's a, some like a separate negotiation. Cause you said you weren't even sure you're playing and they're like, their Jersey is there. So like, then you're like, Oh, my Jersey's there. So I'll show up like, and then you work out the contract or like, that's like your agent is worrying about that. Well, my ninth year, uh, going to my ninth year, I had a few teams reach out to me. I had, Mm -hmm. uh, the saints, I had the same. We talked about the Chargers in 2020, also. Yeah, right? so, yeah, that, that was in, that was during the yeah. season. Uh, during the season, actually, but, but the Saints reached out. Um, who else reached out? I think the the Chargers, obviously, in week three, they reached out. A couple other teams reached out, but there was some like injury concerns. You know, I just came off of the neck injury, right? And, yeah. You know, the, the, the New York Jets kind of knew me, and you know, the, the the doctors knew me, so you know, they knew the history of my injuries and all this they were familiar with it. So that's why I kind of like just came back as, as a safe spot, like more of like, okay, I think it's a respect thing that they're bringing me so back. So at that point, there's um, no like real contract negotiations happening. Yeah. Like, hey, then I signed, I signed the, yeah. I signed, I, I signed the vet minimum, uh, which, you know, obviously was really good Thanks. for me at that time coming off a neck injury, going into year nine. And, um, you know, obviously they took care of me that, 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 that ninth year. Like I wasn't getting yeah, any I, reps I in, in, in training camp. Uh, I take the bet minimum. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, take it. <laughs> uh, now I think it's like one five, one four. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so at the time, it looks like there's like a two hundred, like a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars signing bonus, and then it's like one point one also. So it's like one point yeah. two, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, um, I mean, yeah, and uh, that's what made me, you know, really come back to New York. And I, I just wanted to tell everyone, like, I had multiple chances to leave, multiple, like. I'm talking about one year, the two teams that wanted me ended up playing in the Super Bowl. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? And and then the yeah. two other ones ended up being like playoff runners. Like they were in the playoffs. So, you know, I came back to New York. I, I It was just something in me that I always wanted to come back, man. Like you said, I'm just loyal. I've been loyal. Like ever since when, you know, that day Brex called me and said, hey, I want you to be a New York Jet. Like that was the, the day I'm like, you know what? They they picked me. I didn't pick them. They picked me. So I wanna I wanna I wanna be a New York Jet forever. You know what I mean? It was hard though. It was. <laughs> yeah. Although I I do wish you never hard. had to wear. I do wish you never had to wear the crappy current uniforms that they wear. Like I like the helmets that are behind you right now. I see oh, you don't yeah. have the green one up yeah. there. That oh my god. They gotta change yeah. the uniform. They gotta just go full time to the to the throwback ones that they were wearing on yeah. opening night. Those ones are fire. Um. Yeah. All right. They have a game on Sunday. Uh. The line actually moved. Zach Wilson apparently is worth three points because the Jets were six and a half point underdogs in this game. Now they're only three and a half point underdogs. So like, to me, it's like, oh, Zach Wilson is worth three points because the Jets might actually score three total points in the game. Uh, the over-under, I think, is like 32 and a half. 
which is hilarious. Last night, the over-under was the lowest in league history. I think it was 30 and a half last night. Of course, it went over. I think there were like 40 points scored total in the game last night. Uh, I worked the game uh, on the radio, so that's the only reason why I watched it. I would not have watched the game last night, but I was working at WFN, working on Westwood 1. So, um, yeah, that's I got home late, and I'm still doing this. You know why? Because I'm committed. I would never turn this down. I would never say I, – I take every opportunity – Take advantage of all of it. I'm not like you, Zach Wilson. So maybe I'm talking a little bit like Robert Sala today and I'm unsure and I'm saying um too often and I'm not talking as clearly as I usually would because I'm tired, but I'm not Zach Wilson. I'm I'm the I'm the lion. All right. I now I just mixed <laughs> the whole I brought the whole episode together. Yeah, um that's it. I'm really excited to see CJ Stroud like in person. Like I know I've watched him on on highlights, I've watched some of his games, I've watched him on red zone. I'm excited to see every snap, especially against like a really good defense in the Jets defense. The Jets defense has been really good the last couple of weeks after a couple of weeks of kind of being down. Um, or I guess last week, they're really good after a couple of weeks of being down. So I'm excited to see what he does on Sunday. I'm excited to watch this game. Even if, you know, I'm still rooting for the Jets and we'll talk about this next week, win or lose. I think we'll get into this next week about losing out to end the season, stuff like that. Um, and, and people talking about draft picks and tanking. And I know we've kind of talked about it in the past, but we'll get more in depth on it. Um, so just for you, like, what, what are you looking for in this game? Honestly, uh, there's there's no, absolutely nothing that I'm looking forward to from this offense. You're talking about offense that scored 10 total touchdowns all year. Um, I know you have some statistics over there that I'm sure people will love to hear. Uh, yeah, so I mentioned this. <laughs> I mentioned this on last episode that the ten offensive touchdowns on 142 drives this year is a seven percent touchdown rate this season, which is the second worst in the NFL in the last 25 years. The worst was a 6.7 touchdown rate by the Raiders in 2006. So in the last 18 years, this is the worst. So as a so as a as a as an OC out of almost eight almost 800 teams. Yeah, I know. As an OC, like what, 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 what game plan do you draw up when you're only scoring seven percent, or like as a player, what do you look forward to? What do you look forward to? Like, it's nothing. You know, I look forward to when you're talking about ten touchdowns in an entire football season. Like, that's that's like that's like bad. That's almost like Deron Bland alone, who's a defensive back. He's a corner. Has five touchdowns this year as a corner (laughs) because he has five Five. picks loses. That's half of the Jets' total offensive touchdowns. Mm, 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 mm. So, honestly, I I can't sit and tell you what they need to do. (laughs) Uh, I I would say, oh, Zach, let it rip. By the way, (laughs) he still doesn't let it rip. If he throws a couple picks in this game, like I'd be happy. It's going to be a meme on Sunday. Like uh, I'm out here to have fun. When he throws three interceptions, people are going to be like Zach's version of having fun. Like it's going to get, he's going to turn into a meme and the fans are going to boo you. The fans are going to boo you because they feel like you didn't want to be here. You didn't want to play this game. I think they'll boo him at the opening introductions, honestly. I think they will. And I think they should. I think defense needs to play. I mean, they can't take. Yeah. I mean, he's going to win rookie of the year. And he's taking care of the football. And we talk about this team. Yeah, CJ. We're talking about CJ. CJ takes care of the football. You're talking about a rookie quarterback right now coming in, only five interceptions. Five, but will a rookie quarterback know? Will and that's great. You said five interceptions. Interceptions. Twenty, 20? touchdowns. That's yeah, twenty touchdowns. Five, that's as a rookie, and yeah. you know, so our defense, who a team is built on the turnover margin, 
it's going to get really ugly if this this rookie can come in and take care of the football. They have to find a way to get to him. I, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that means moving him off his spot, getting him uncomfortable. I, I say blitz him, man up outside, blitz him, startle him. Don't give him the opportunity to sit back there and create uh, time to throw to his quarterbacks because he's taking care of the football. Whatever he does, run or pass the Texans, they better do it fast because I will be sending the house. I will be sending people out of the stands at this guy. Yeah, maybe sends or bring Jamal Adams back, Blitz Boy, so that he no. can blitz him. Um, Come back, Jamal. And, and that's <laughs> that's the thing. Like, that's part of this game where, um, you know, there's a couple things. Blake Cashman, um, former Jets linebacker, is the sixth-ranked linebacker, according to PFF this year. He's now on the Texans. They picked up um, uh, Amos, who was the Jets' safety, who was like a depth piece for the Jets. Like, they brought him in this week. I don't know if he's going to play against the Jets, but the Texans brought him in. Kind of like, hey, let's see the scheme. Let's let's talk oh, to they, you. Oh, they definitely I mean? brought him in to, to yeah. talk about the scheme. They definitely talked about it. For sure. Yeah. That's a smart move. That's and then, and then he might not even be there next week after. Right, they, exactly. He might get cut <laughs> after this game. Oh, but, absolutely. You know, D'Amico talking about how he learned a lot under Robert Sala when he was the linebackers coach and Robert was the defensive coordinator. So, like, he learned a lot. But the one thing that he didn't learn was he learned how to command a room because – He's a former player. He can relate to these guys. He can talk to these mm-hmm. guys. How much does that mean? Absolutely. How does that make a difference? It, it does, man. You 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 respect like that's why that's why the special teams unit is 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 very good because you you and, and defense too with Jeff Obrich over there like former players right. who you you know they they you demand the respect because they know what it's like. They know what it's like to be in week thirteen and it's cold and you're losing and they know the words to say to keep you going or they know the words to to encourage you in you know it's a small sayings that they say like hey this isn't going to catch up until it catches up because he knows like hey if you take a playoff from experience this is going to happen like hey guys we're being evaluated hey guys you're being interviewed hey guys i'm sitting in this meeting like they're telling you what's being said in this meeting i'm trying to fight for you i'm trying to fight for you and those are the guys that you know they relate and you keep it real because this is a fraternity man like we want to see uh, current and former players succeed. So you want to you wanna kind of put those guys in the best position. And, and you respect that because it's like, okay, it's almost like I can't tell you something about experience if you haven't gone through it. So you can't tell me about something if you didn't go through it. So when you look at it as a player, player to coach who, who was a former player, it's like, okay, he understands it. He gets it. Let's go. You know what I mean? Jeff Ulbrich was a linebacker for 10 years for the San Francisco 49ers. I did yeah. not know that. Wow. Yeah, he played, he played ball, bro. Yeah. He Two, played Brent, Brent Boyer played 11 linebacker. years. Bro, yeah. Brent Boyer played 11 years. Yep. You get what I'm saying? I, yeah, I knew about Brent, though, but I didn't know about, about – um, yeah, Jeff played a long I didn't know time, about Ulbrich. Wow. Yeah. Dude, I, every time we talk about him more and more, I'm like, I want this guy to be the head coach. Like <laughs> – we talk about replacements, and obviously, I'm wearing the Michigan hoodie today. Like, I, the dream would be Jim Harbaugh. I talk so much about John, and you know, the personal relationship there for me. Even though he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know who I am, you know. Uh, but we had a relationship just from being there. Um, and then, but and Jim, obviously, like what he's overcome this year and the way he turned that program around. I would still, but even if that doesn't happen. Like, I want Jeff. Like, if Jeff's going to go get a head coaching job somewhere else and be really successful, I'd rather keep him and have him be successful as the head coach here. You know what I mean? Like, the Ravens, just, I hate to go back to them, but I just have the most experience with them. John Harbaugh worked under Brian Billick, right? And then they paid him more as a coordinator to stick around 
so that he wouldn't take a job elsewhere so that once Billick was gone, he would become the head coach. And now they're going to do the same thing with Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald was an assistant in the organization. He worked his way up, went to Michigan to Jim Harbaugh, worked under him for a few years as a DC, then came back to John Harbaugh to replace Wink Martindale last year. And now he's like this defensive genius. And by the way, John's 61 years old. When he's done, guess who's going to slip right in? 34-year-old Mike McDonald. So just that's what a well-run organization looks like. And like if if you were telling me today that Salah has to be gone, but Jeff's now the head coach, I would take it. I would take it. Like, anyway, um, I digress. The game on Sunday. I think the defense is going to show up. They've shown up all year, and it's because of Jeff. I think the offense is still going to struggle to score, even if Zach, quote, lets it rip. I know there were guys running wide open all day. I don't know if you saw the coach's film. There were guys wide open against the Texans. I'm sorry, against the Falcons. And no one threw the ball to them. If Tim Boyle throws four deep balls to Garrett Wilson, even if he only converts one of them, the Jets win the game, right? Because all they needed was they lost by five. All they needed was one touchdown. So if they convert one of the four times that Garrett Wilson was wide open downfield, but he threw it one time of the four times that Garrett Wilson was open alone. I'm not talking about like almost open or we could have thrown it up 50, 50 ball. I'm talking about wide open four times. I counted that he was wide open for a touchdown downfield. He threw it once and it was an interception. That was the only time he threw it. So maybe Zach Wilson will let her rip. Uh, my score prediction. I'll give you mine right off the top. You can give me what yours after is, uh, I think the Texans are going to win. I think the defense shows up. So I say, I think like 23 points because you know, they, you can only leave them. Uh, you can only keep them off the board so long. So two touchdowns and then three field goals uh, for the Texans. Maybe they score a late touchdown, like where they score, like they have seven, they have uh, 16 points and then they score a late touchdown to make it 23. Right. Uh, and the jets lose the jets get three field goals. That's it. So 23 to nine is my prediction. And I do think it's going to take a little bit for CJ to understand. And I think he's very smart to understand. This is a game where I don't have to do so much. Let the Jets beat themselves and me take a step back. Don't give them opportunities to make plays, right? Like take a slower game plan approach. If I'm, if I'm CJ, what do you got? I see, I I, I see the game similar to how you see in it. I, I don't think the Jets will find the end zone this game. And I do think they'll move the ball. Only done it 10 times, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they'll find the end zone. I do think they'll get close, and obviously we're kicking field goals once again. So I, I, I'll have to go 24-6 uh, New York uh, Texans uh, on that. Um, you I, seem I just to score see three touchdowns on the Jets' defense. Because it, it's going to just keep getting ugly. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just going to get ugly to where, like, it just turns into late touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, that's how I see the game going. It's just nothing going for the offense, and it's so sad for the defense because those guys are going to fight, but you can only fight so much because the other team, they they get paid just like, you know, those guys do. So they're going to – the Texans will execute off of the, the mishaps of the Jets just not having a good offense. Well, like we said, we're still going to have fun on this show, so please continue to like, subscribe, share the podcast with your friends. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you on Monday, buddy. <laughs> Looking forward. Yeah. See you uh, next week. I'll see you. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Um, for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.